What is up, listeners of the world? My name is Jalen Tully, and welcome to J Talks. guys and welcome back for another highly anticipated episode of J Talks. Second episode in a row since my three-month hiatus, baby. Let's do this. Let's get back in the saddle again. Um, This week, I have a lot that I want to talk to you guys about, but I'm going to switch it up and do something a little bit weird. And I'm going to do my what's in my rotation at the beginning of the episode instead of at the end because you guys have no idea how badly you need this in your life, and the sooner I can let you guys know and share this with you, the better the entire world will be. I don't care if you are three years old or 83 years old, you need to stop what you're doing. Pause this episode if you need to. Go find your nearest esthetician, go find your nearest beauty parlor, go find your nearest hair salon, go find your nearest person or location who has the ability to do lash lifts and schedule yourself an appointment for a lash lift. It has changed my life. I I wish I was exaggerating. I wish this was hyperbole. I'm not even kidding. This was the best decision that I've ever made in my entire life. A couple of my friends have been getting lash lifts recently and I been so into it they look so good it literally makes it look like you're wearing the greatest mascara in the world but you don't have anything on your lashes and my friends especially those who are blonde and have lighter hair have also been getting tints at the same time so they get a lash lift and a lash tint at the same time and again like it looks like they're wearing incredible mascara but they don't have anything on their eyes like it changes the entire look of your face and you don't even have to be wearing any makeup but I have black curly hair so my lashes are black like dark so I didn't need a tint so I just got um the lift and I do just want to let you guys know that like I was never like a huge makeup person to begin with again absolutely no hate to girls who wear makeup honestly a part of the reason why I'm not big into makeup is because I'm terrible at it if it's anything past like blending some basic eyeshadow putting on foundation or putting on my mascara do not actually you know what I can do a mean winged liner too I can do nice eyeliner. That's also something I can do. But like anything past that, contouring, like extreme eyeshadow blending, like honestly, I'm terrible at all of it. So it's not even coming from the fact that I'm like, oh, I'm not like other girls. I don't wear makeup. No, I don't think you understand. I literally cannot do my own makeup to save my life. If I could, I would every single day like you bitches, but I just, I don't have that ability. So again, no hate to girls who wear makeup, but that's just not me, not my style, and more than anything, I desperately lack the ability to be able to do it successfully. So, like, on an average day when I go to work, honestly, I usually just wear, like, a layer of foundation just to even out my skin tone, and I might put on some mascara depending on how I'm feeling on the day, but nothing really more than that uh, in terms of, like, my average day-to-day basis. Honestly, if I'm just, like, going out to run some errands, in like where no no one I know is gonna see me or no one I really care about is gonna see me I probably won't even put any makeup on if I'm being completely honest with you like that's just like this is like the type of girl I am I'm all about convenience and I just I do not have like I said the time or the ability to sit down and do my makeup every single morning and honestly for those types of girls for the girls who feel the same way who like don't have the ability don't have the time don't have the patience 
don't want to put in the effort into learning like me into like doing your own makeup this is such like a nice little upgrade because it really does make it look like you're wearing mascara all the time it really does give your eyes such a nice little pop without really having to put any more effort into your look every day like I already get my eyebrows done every couple of weeks like what is the difference of getting my lashes done once a month you know what I mean like it's just it really is for those like minimalist girls who still want to look good somewhat every once in a while this is a great thing and it was like 80 bucks but it's like once a month again she said it would last like anywhere from four to eight weeks depending on how fast my lashes grow how well I take care of them la di da di da like all that like all the like the little nuancing stuff so like once like 80 bucks every one to two months like sign me up so yeah that's what's in my rotation this week please honestly and this isn't even just exclusive for women either like if you're a man and you want some poppin ash lashes not that men need it because let's face it men have lashes that they do not deserve women I know you can agree with me take a look at your boyfriend's eyelashes next time you're hanging out and you will get viscerably angry I guarantee you because why do they have eyelashes like that they don't deserve it but if you're a man and you want to stunt on these hoes even more and make girls even angrier at you, feel free to go get a lash lift. You'll look fantastic. All right, now that that's out of the way and I've been talking about it for over five minutes, let's jump into the actual meat of this week's episode. All right, this week I am going to start this episode out by addressing the current Dave Chappelle controversy because let's face it, there's always a Dave Chappelle controversy, but right now I want to address the most current one. People have been and are upset at Chappelle's new special, The Closer. Um, it's going to be his last Netflix... Oh my god, cannot talk. It's going to be his last Netflix special for a bit. So he, it's obviously that's where the name comes from, The Closer. Um, and people are mad due to the reasons that they're usually mad. Dave Chappelle made some arguably transphobic comments and people are not happy with him. People have been making a stance that they are upset with Chappelle's comments, with Chappelle's jokes that he made during the stand-up routine. Over 1,000 Netflix employees walked out of their job in protest. And as I'm sure you can guess, the controversy of some of Chappelle's comments and people's opinions on said comments have been all over social media. So obviously... I have to come on and share mine as well. Before I talk about the actual controversy, I want to give my opinion on Dave Chappelle in general. To preface, I like Dave Chappelle. I like his comedy. Is he my favorite comedian? No. Does he make me double over in laughter like I piss myself when I'm watching his stuff? No, honestly, I don't like him because he's funny. I like him because he's real and his comedy's real. Dave Chappelle is one of the few comedians is one of the few artists that exist within a comedic sphere that can make and take real issues and make it into something funny and make it into something that the audience can relate to and laugh at and bond over and that to me takes way more talent than just getting up on a stage and saying something funny that's going to make people laugh to be able to take real events real atrocities racism sexism racial economic and ethnic disparities like he seems to address so many real and prominent social issues in his comedy in a way that makes it digestible. Like, I can only hope that I can do his job half as well on this podcast because he truly takes some issues and 
make, like I said, turns it into something that we as people are able to bond over and laugh at, which is to me an extreme talent. And I have so much respect for Dave Chappelle to be able to do that. All right. And that's my personal opinion on Dave Chappelle. Um, I know he said some controversial things, but I'm going to get into my opinion on those controversial things once I actually talk about this current controversy, actually. And when it comes to that, there are three things that I need to address about this, and I'm going to try and be quick because I have so many other things I want to get to, not just in this segment, but in this episode. One, I want to make the point that Dave Chappelle is a comedian. 90% of what he says, especially on a stage, is satire. And because of that, you would be an idiot to take it literally. You would be an idiot to think that that is how Dave Chappelle actually thinks, and you would be an idiot to get offended by it. The fact that people, especially seemingly people from my generation, can't understand the basic premise of stand-up comedy or comedy in general, at the very least, mildly concerning. And a lot of people might respond and be like, you know, but a lot of what he says, whether or not it's meant to be taken as a joke, whether or not it's meant to be funny, meant to get a laugh out of people, meant to get a reaction, a lot of what he says actually is discriminatory. A lot of what he says actually does target and perpetuate violence against trans people, gay people, and women. And to, to that, I, I have to say that I respectfully disagree. You know, I, nothing, I've watched a lot of Dave Chappelle specials, almost all of them, actually. Like I said, I enjoy his comedy. I like Dave Chappelle. And as a woman, and as a woman who is an intersectional feminist, a staunch supporter of the LGBTQ plus community, I like to think pretty educated and pretty open-minded, there really has not been anything that Dave Chappelle has said, in my opinion, that is a red flag to me that this is someone who is a sexist or is someone who hates women or is someone who thinks, you know, lowly of the LGBTQ plus community or trans people or trans women. You know, this is not someone who rings those alarms for me, especially when we live in a society where there are actual people who hold actual power, not just on a comedy stage, but politically, economically, you know, like socially, there are people who hold power in society who actually are those things, who actually are sexist, who actually are misogynist, who actually hate gay people and trans people and are doing their damnedest to make sure that those people do not have rights. I mean, the, the last week I talked about the Texas abortion ban that, you know, was just put into place. There are real issues going on and you're choosing to get mad over someone who got up on a stage and verbatim most times before he says any of these things says that these aren't his opinions. He's just trying to make some points. He's just trying to make some laughs. You know, don't take what he says too seriously. And then every single fucking time a special comes out, you guys lose your minds. Like, I just, I just, to me, they're a bigger fish to fry, and I'm not going to lose my mind over Dave Chappelle making some jokes on a stage, because again, that is his job. His job is to say funny, satirical things. Please, try and wrap your head around that. You look like a moron. All right, point number two that I want to make, and I've already kind of alluded at this, but do we really need to do this every single time Dave Chappelle puts out a special? Do we really? It's getting old at this point. Because it's always the same cycle, the same bullshit every single time Dave Chappelle releases a special. He says some shit that people don't like, y'all lose your minds. His sales skyrocket for about a month and then he laughs about it in the end because nothing actually ends up coming from this. And after this segment, I do want to have a conversation about cancel culture in general and why it doesn't exist, but why it could and people just do not exercise it correctly. And this is a prime example of cancel culture not being real. 
especially when people are angry for absolutely no reason. No, you like you guys are angry for no good reason, and that's exactly why nothing ever changes. <laughs> and Dave Chappelle just ends up laughing about this every single time it happens. You know, he has to go out on stages, he has to go on interview platforms, he has to defend himself on social media. Again, for what? Like, w like why are you still getting so worked up about this when there are, I want to make this point again, when there are real people, real legislators, real representatives, real individuals who hold real power in society who are trying to take away your rights and you are getting on Twitter and bullshitting and subtweeting at Dave Chappelle. Like, it just, it does not make any sense to me. I want to wrap this up by talking about my third and possibly the most important point. And I want you, if you have, even if you have been staunchly disagreeing with everything I've had to say, even if you've wanted to pause this podcast and throw your phone against a wall because I'm making you so angry with what I'm saying, I want you to tr truly and genuinely listen to this last point that I'm going to make because like I said, it is quite possibly the most important one and it is the one that we need to have a long conversation about. I feel as though the reason a lot of people are angry at Dave Chappelle right now is because Dave Chappelle was making good points. I'm going to let you sit with that one again. I feel as though the reason a lot of people are angry right now is because Dave Chappelle was making good points. The white LGBTQ plus community does perpetuate a lot of racism against black people, but at the same time seem to think they cannot be racist. And this is an issue because whenever conversations about race or racism arise, white LGBTQ plus individuals like to seem to close their ears and shut their eyes as they do not think that it applies to them. Because for some reason they think that just because they are also a marginalized group that they cannot harbor resentments or hold power in society that is damaging to people of color. And as a result of this, they refuse to acknowledge the injustices that they are perpetuating within their own communities. And when black people, Dave Chappelle, point this out, and choose to address this, y'all cry oppression, which is exactly what is happening right now. Dave Chappelle chose to address this. Dave Chappelle chose to address the fact that we see, for some reason, LGBTQ plus plights in this country are placed at a higher priority than black plights, and that's because there are white people who are gay, and white people will always, no matter what your sex is, no matter what gender you identify as, no matter what your sexual orientation is, white people will always hold power in society over black people, especially when there are black people who also subscribe to the LGBTQ plus community who suffer at the hands of racism within it. Dave Chappelle was just trying to point that out, and now you are vilifying him in every way possible. What annoys me most about Dave Chappelle's center controversies is that people who are angry at him, people who are angry at what he says, people who are angry at the jokes that he make never seem to actually listen to what he's saying. Because like I said, if, if you actually took the time to listen to what he's saying, we could have a productive conversation right now, but that's not able to happen because you are once again, closing your ears and shutting your eyes. Dave Chappelle in the special, I explicitly remember him before he you know, started the, the bulk of what this special was about, he opened up the floor by saying, I don't want this 
to be an LGBTQ plus issue. I don't want this to be made into a homophobia or transphobia issue. He's like, this needs to be a conversation about racism because people don't seem to want to have this conversation. People are constantly having the conversations about homophobia and transphobia and you know what I'm saying, but nobody actually takes the time to understand why I'm saying it. And you guys are just proving him right. Time and time again, every single time something like this happens, you are just proving his point. Because let's face it, let's, let's, let's like, let's, you know, let's spin the turntables a little bit. Imagine if a white comedian did a special and had the same harsh brass, you know, kind of out there in your face humor that Dave Chappelle did, but instead of making, you know, those jokes and telling those stories and giving those anecdotes about trans people, they gave them about, about black people. I saw it on Twitter, actually, someone made the point that if those, if those tables were turned, if the roles were reversed, and it was, you know, like I said, a white comedian making those same jokes about black people, I bet you anything a thousand Netflix employees wouldn't have walked out. But again, as, as a group, as a socioeconomic group, white people hold the, the vast amount of power in society. They will always hold more power over black people, whether you're a white trans person or whether you're a white gay person. And like I said, that is partially due to the fact that there are also black trans people and black gay people who get the brunt end of two sticks, sometimes three, sometimes more than that, if they subscribe to certain religion groups or are a woman or have disabilities or are socioeconomically disadvantaged. Like there are so many, there can be so many more odds stacked against a person who subscribes to the LGBTQ plus community just based on their race alone. And that was that, like that to me, at least as someone who has watched a lot of Dave Chappelle specials more than once, that was the message that I very much got from the closer was he was trying to make the point that, you know, racism is to, to a lot of people, to him at least, a more pressing issue. It definitely needs more attention. And, you know, he kind of, he, he made a joke at one point that, you know, part of the reason why he's making these jokes, part of the reason why he's angry is because he's jealous. You know, like, he's like, I don't know what y'all put in your movements, but let's face it, in the last century, LGBTQ plus rights have far surpassed and gotten to a point that black rights can only dream of because black people have been fighting since the foundation of this country 400 years ago, since the first slaves were dropped off on slave ships, we've been fighting since then and we've literally gotten maybe a fraction as far as, you know, you have when it comes to obtaining equal rights and having access to, you know, some of the upper tiers of society that black people are seemingly still unable to obtain. And it was, you know, that, that part did make me laugh. That part did make me, make me giggle a little bit just because, like, it's true. Like, it is. Like, what, like, I need to truly understand and dissect the gay and trans movements because you guys are making incredible progress that black people can only dream of. And like I said, instead of hearing something like that and laughing at it and coming together over it and kind of seeing what he was saying, you just immediately get defensive, which to me is a huge red flag and just goes to prove the point that Dave Chappelle was making. I don't know. I like, I don't really have like anything else to say on this. That was pretty much all the points that I had to make. Um, I, I enjoyed the special. I thought it was funny and I will be anxiously awaiting to have another Dave Chappelle special come out because I thoroughly enjoy his comedy and always have. Um, if you disagree with me, that's fine. We're humans. We can have a differing opinion as long as you know that you're wrong. <laughs>
<laughs> oh, and this is why people hate me. Um, no, real talk, you guys. That's completely fine if you disagree with me. I, I know that people disagree with me. I know that people are like, you know, like, jokes like that are not acceptable to make, whether you are just joking, whether it's your job, whether you're a comedian, you know, point blank period, you know, jokes like that should be taken as a red flag. And to a certain extent, I completely agree. You know, if it's just your average gym bro, you know, constantly making sexist and homophobic jokes in the locker room and saying some out-of-pocket shit on a daily basis, then yeah, that definitely warrants a deeper conversation and, you know, maybe should be a little bit concerning. But if it's a man who is one of the greatest comedians in the world, arguably the goat of comedy, who only makes jokes like that when he's up on a stage in a way that's meant to garner, garner laughter in a way that is not tasteless, that does not, you know, perpetuate or support violence against these people. And the second he steps on the stage, actually the second he steps on the stage too, he makes the disclaimer that this is not how he thinks, this is purely done for satirical reasons, like that to me should should be treated very differently. I think I think another important conversation should be had, and this is going to be a very smooth segue into my conversation on cancel culture, but I think another very important point to make, especially when we're talking about comedy, is that the rules of society, the societal expectations that we set for one another and what we can and can't say or do, they are constantly evolving. And I want to make the point that as it should, society should be changing. We should constantly be looking to better ourselves and the people who we are and this, you know, children that we raise and the society that we live in. I completely agree with that. That is the only way that we will ever come close to obtaining some sort of utopia. However, we we seem to refuse to give people the time to kind of evolve with these new norms. And don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that we should allow people to, you know, stay in a discriminatory, oppressive, racist, sexist past. Not at all. You know, leave your fucking Confederate flags in the 1850s, please. But I think that we can all agree that there is a staunch difference and there should be a line drawn in the sand between willful ignorance, hatred, and bigotry and just being a little bit slow to start and a little bit slow to evolve. Because that's something about cancel culture that I hate, is when we change these rules, when we decide that a term isn't okay to say, when a joke isn't okay to make, when certain things aren't okay to address in a public way or in a certain type of setting, we expect everyone to immediately get on board and understand why these things are wrong and why we're changing them and that there are going to be harsh punishments if they don't immediately adapt. And honestly, you 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 can't do that because this is the same thing that I've seen with the vaccine. You end up alienating people who originally may have wanted to help, who originally may have had an open mind, who originally may have, you know, wanted to see things from your perspective and wanted to help to evolve with you. And you're forcing them to become defensive. And you're, like I said, you're alienating them from a movement that they could have contributed to. Instead of just helpfully educating people and willing to bend with people instead of break them, you are you make it much more likely that that process will happen naturally, and you make it much more likely that that process will happen at all. And first, before I actually open up the floor for this discussion, before I actually start talking about cancel culture, I should probably give you guys my personal opinion on it, just so you have some sort of perspective of where I'm coming from on this issue. And personally speaking, I do not think 
cancel culture is real in the way that people like to pretend it is. Um, I, I, I think that people think it's a much bigger deal than it actually is because let's face it, nine times out of ten, nothing ends up happening to the people that get quote-unquote canceled. But in a way, I also think it could be real and it should be real in, in some cases because let's face it, or at least I'm going to admit this, some people do not deserve to have careers. Some people do not deserve to have careers, especially in which they have influence over hundreds of thousands, millions of people. They are pulling in unfathomable, how do you say that word? Is that, was that right? Unfathomable. Okay, there we go. Whatever. I'm not going to repeat myself. Amounts of money every single year you give. I, I don't think, or, or I do think that there are some people who produce music, who act in movies, who write books, who exist in a way that garners a lot of public attention on themselves and their actions. There are some people who exist in those careers and exist in those fields who I don't th think deserve to be in those roles and who I don't think deserve to hold as much power as they do over people. And, you know, you can agree with me, you can disagree with me. I'm going to bring up some specific examples as I go throughout this episode, uh, specific artists, specific people who... I think have kind of done certain things that I think should really force them to be ostracized from the communities that they have influence over. But at the same time, the way that cancel culture is executed nowadays, the way that people try and, you know, force its influence on the culture and society that we currently live in, it's an absolute joke. And this is based on the simple and most basic fact that no one ever agrees with anyone on anything ever. I mean, we couldn't even agree to cancel R. Kelly. R. Kelly, the man, the grown-ass man who was raping 14-year-old girls and pissing on their faces in videos. Like, we could not even agree to cancel him and stop listening to his music and stop supporting his career and stop giving him money. And his court cases right now, there are still women who will stand outside the courthouse holding up signs sporting t-shirts, like shouting his name, saying how much they love him and want to be with him. Like, like it absolutely insane. People did that with Ted Bundy. Like it, like I don't, and that's, I don't know if that's be, just because people like to disagree. I don't know if that's just because people like the attention that they get when they disagree with the majority. I don't know if that's because pe some people are just crazy. Maybe it's a mixture of all three. I'm not sure. But based on that fact alone, Cancel culture, I, I don't think will ever be a reality, even if I think it should be, based on the fact that people will never be 100% on the same page, ever, especially when it comes to personal opinions about individual people. We can't even agree that the Earth is round. There are still people who don't believe that the Earth, that the earth is a spherical shape. They think that it's flat. Like, like, real people who genuinely believe this. So just based on that fact alone, like, how could cancel culture be real? How can all people everywhere decide that they unanimously hate this one person and that they don't deserve to have a career anymore, especially when it's over something, you know, like a, like Dave Chappelle's situation, saying something supposedly transphobic, supposedly having a transphobic, homophobic sense of humor and making transphobic and homophobic jokes on a stage or sexist jokes, you know how, like, how are you going to get everyone to agree on the same page, especially when it comes to something that is so objective and individual and comes down to individual senses of humor and what people have experienced and personal opinions about politics and social issues and like I just 
I don't like like based on that fact alone like that I just do not think cancel culture is real and I don't think it will ever be able to be real which is part of the reason why I think the arguments against it are honestly kind of ridiculous because this is honestly probably the main and one of the only arguments against cancel culture that I hear is like someone shouldn't have opportunities money or their career taken away from them over XYZ, over what they something they said, something they tweeted 10 years ago, a way that they acted, a word that they said. Like that that's always the argument is like that like just because someone makes a mistake, just because someone says something offensive, just because someone does something offensive does not necessarily mean that they should have certain opportunities and monetary opportunities taken away from them. And I mean, honestly, to that, I'm like, why not? Like, that's like basic consequences. Like, you cannot go around saying derogatory things, saying bigoted things, acting ignorant, acting a fool, and, you know, expect people to still treat you and support you the same way as if you did not say those things and you did not publicly come out and say those things. But at the same time, you know, like, like that is very real. And that's like a very, I think that's a fair, a very fair way to feel you're right, you can say whatever you want, but people can also react to that any way they want. People can also choose to treat you differently based on what you say. And they think that people forget that that dichotomy exists. But at the same time, it's like we we freak out at people, we cancel people, quote unquote, I'm using air quotes right now, based on, I think, very trivial things and very trivial things for people to get offended at and for people to get angry at someone for saying. For example, Dave Chappelle making supposedly homophobic and transphobic jokes when he is on a comedy stage shooting a Netflix special specifically made to get a reaction out of people and make people laugh. So like to some extent, and especially taking into account the way that cancel culture permeates throughout our society today, I would somewhat agree with that argument. But at the same time, you know, flipping the coin a little bit, Please, people who genuinely use that argument to get angry at cancel culture, to blame cancel culture for something, please genuinely tell me, I want you to think of the last time someone got quote-unquote canceled and what long-term damage their career actually faced. Because I would, I would feel comfortable saying about 99.8% of the time someone gets quote-unquote canceled there's really no long-term damage done to their career. If anything, sometimes they actually end up making more money after the canceling. They end up drawing in more of a crowd. Or they just, you know, once people forget about what's going on, once people forget about the controversy, once people forget about what this person did or said or, or how they acted, you know, like, it's... A lot of times their numbers just bounce back and they, you know, go back to whatever they were making or however they were doing or the audience that they had before they got canceled. Like, it's, like, it's really not ever that long-standing. I mean, even, even the, the, honestly, one of the most dramatic examples I could see, apart from, like, someone, like, going to prison and, like, obviously having their life ruined in that way, but also those people deserve it too. Um, R. Kelly, Harvey Weinstein, looking at you. But even when someone, like, quote-unquote, like, does face repercussions in the industry, so to say, for example, Kevin Hart not apologizing for his homophobic tweets and not being able to host the Oscars, even though that was a dream of Kevin's. Kevin always wanted to host the Oscars. 
And even though that was a setback, even though he probably will never get to host the Oscars after this, like it, it was still a very minor setback. He's still making boatloads of money. He's still arguably one of the richest comedians to exist right now. He still has a huge following, huge fan base. Everyone loves Kevin Hart, except for me. I'm not a huge Kevin Hart fan personally, but my objective opinion taken out of the equation, Kevin Hart's still doing very well. He's still very successful. That really did not slow down his career at all. And yes, he didn't get to host the Oscars, but like, the, like in the grand scheme of things, I just don't feel like that is as big of a deal as people like to pretend it is. And like, honestly, if we're being 100% with one another, I will put money on the fact that if you give it like three to five years, Kevin will probably have an opportunity to host the Oscars again because people forget about things so fast. And I mentioned it earlier that like controversies really only last as long as people are willing to remember them. And cancel culture is no exception to this rule. If anything, it falls into it even harder. And this is part of the reason why nothing ever really comes of cancel culture. And I, I get so frustrated and people sound so stupid whenever they talk about people's careers being ruined, people's lives being ruined by cancel culture. Because people forget about things so fast. Nothing ever happens to any of these people that get canceled because rage is never maintained by the group that wanted to cancel them. People forget as soon as the next piece of news comes along that takes their attention away and then they can no longer hold on to whatever was fueling their desire to cancel someone. It, it, I mean, it happened just last summer. We saw it just last summer with Black Lives Matter. White people were getting so fatigued. They were like, how long do we actually have to do this? And black people were like, nigga, until we see results. Like, what do you mean how long do we have to do this? And cancel culture is really no different. People, you know, ask all the time, oh, how does Chris Brown still have a career? How does 6 9 still have a career? Why are artists still making songs with, you know, these abusers, these people who we know abuse women and children? Why are people still making music with them? Why are they still making so much money? And it's like, okay, but what have you done to help to contribute to people seeing why we should not support these artists anymore? Like, when was the last time you saw some rage online about 6 9 or Chris Brown that wasn't prompted by them doing something to garner that rage? If something is only going to have your attention and produce a rage inside of you when it is on the front cover of magazines and taking up our news feeds and what is currently going on in the world right now, you might as well not care about it at all because nothing is going to get done if your attention to what's going on and if your attention to what's happening and the very fact that you care when it stops being what's popular anymore. Like what, like, what was your point of caring about it in the first place? What was the point of feeling what you felt about it in the first place? Like, I, I just, I don't understand that. And honestly, if you have enough emotion behind how you feel about something that's going on, if you have enough of a desire to change it, it will never stop being what's in your news feeds. It will never stop being a story. It will never stop being a big deal to people because you're making it a big deal. Like, you really got to keep the same energy if you want to see results. You really do. Like, you really do. And I know it's exhausting. It's tiring. Believe me, 
You poor white people from last summer experiencing activist fatigue, whatever the hell that is. But, like, I, like, I know it's tiring to keep up that same energy until you start seeing results. But if you want to see results, then you need to. And this is, this is something that I feel like our generation doesn't understand. Like, think back to our, like, our grandparents, our great-grandparents. The Montgomery bus boycott lasted from, from what, that was the 50s, right? I think that was the 50s. From December 5th of 1955 to December 20th of 1956. Over a full calendar year, these people would walk miles to work, to school, anywhere to the grocery store, anywhere they needed to go. They refused to use the busing system. Like, imagine if we had to do something like that today. Our, our, our protest, our boycott would last all of 40 minutes until someone got tired and used their bus pass. I, like, like that's just, that's the same energy we gotta have if we really want to see people, bad people in our entertainment industry experience consequences for the things they've done to people. Like, that's, and... I don't know, like, it kind of, it does bother me that people don't seem to understand that. It does bother me that people just seem to not want to understand that and not want to actually put in the effort that's required to see change. And I'm starting to kind of branch outside of the realm of cancel culture right now and just talking about, you know, like the Black Lives Matter protest last summer, like when it comes down to women's rights and in advocating that, you know, government money be spent more adequately and fairly among communities. Like, when it comes to real change that we want to see and that we have to see in our society, it really comes down to the amount of effort and how long you're willing to put that effort in for. I saw, oh my gosh, I saw such a perfect example of this. It was so funny. I literally just saw it on Twitter, so like, I know it was meant to be in this week's episode. <laughs> But as you guys know, this this is not funny. I'm not laughing at this part, obviously. Um, now, 10 people have passed away due to the events at Travis Scott's Astroworld concert. If you don't know what happened, pretty much there were too many people there, and people were smushed, the conditions were awful, and it got so bad, and people were trying to rush the stage that... Um, now now 10 people have died from injuries about from literally being crushed and trampled to death and dozens more are in the hospital it's absolutely horrific and there's a there's a whole other side of it of you know people being mad at Travis because he didn't stop the concert once he saw that something was wrong you know etc etc um and then Travis's half-assed apology but that's a completely different conversation that is not really the point of what I'm trying to say and the day I'm recording this is, what day is it? Friday the 19th. There was actually a news story that just broke. Um, congratulations to Kim Kardashian and Pete Davidson, because apparently they are dating. And right after I saw that article, right after I saw that headline, I saw a tweet, and it was a picture, it was a gif of Kris Jenner closing her laptop, and the tweet itself read, Chris Jenner distracting everyone from the Astroworld tragedy by releasing that story, another Pete Davidson and Kim Kardashian story. And it was like, oh, that meme where it's like the devil works hard, but Chris Jenner works harder. It's, it's real. And like, it made me laugh. But at the same time, it was like, like it, it, like it worked. 
Like, if, like, now thousands, tens, hundreds, thousands of people are talking about Pete Davidson and Kim Kardashian dating instead of still giving their attention to the people at Astroworld that are never going to be able to go home again. It's just, it, and it's fascinating to, like, see it work in real time, and it's even more fascinating to see people recognize it and then joke about it on social media. It's just, it's just sometimes, sometimes the irony just writes itself, and I just sit back throw my feet up, and watch it all unfold, baby. Overall, you guys, I agree with cancel culture and the premise of cancel culture if it is done appropriately, cohesively, and it is not overused or abused. But currently, as a, as a society, we are 0 for 3 on all of those. So we definitely need to uh, get our shit together a little bit before we can use cancel culture as a way to actually implement change in our world. But please, another and way more important point that I want to make at the end of this episode is that there are real issues, there are real enemies, there are real people who are trying to restrict your rights and your ability to live freely as whoever you are, and y'all are choosing to get mad at Dave Chappelle and Kevin Hart. Like, I, like I just want to make that point very, very clearly. There are legislators that, be, that are being voted into power. There are bills that are being signed into law. There are real threats being made on our freedoms as individuals. And y'all are getting mad at Dave Chappelle, bro. Like, it just, it does not make any sense to me. So please, like, that is the overarching point that I want to make. Cancel culture shouldn't have to exist. People shouldn't do things that should warrant so much anger from the society around us that we tell them that they, that they should lose their entire career over it. But unfortunately, we do have people who are abusers. We do have people who are rapists. We do have people who are evil, evil people. And when it comes to the R. Kelly's and the Harvey Weinstein's of the world, cancel away. But let's leave the, uh, let's leave the Dave Chappelle's out of it. All right, y'all. This is, this has been real. Um, I already did my, what's my rotation this week? My lash lift at the beginning of the episode. So that's done. I don't have to do that right now. Um, I do just also want to say, though, that I will be taking next week off, um, just one week, though. I promise I'll be coming back the week after. You can trust me this time. Um, because of the holiday, I will be out of state. I will be visiting family, and I don't really want to work on recording, uploading, editing a podcast when I'm trying to be with family and enjoy my vacation, even if the holiday in question is centered around the genocide of Native Americans. I'm going to still enjoy it because the sides are everything. Real talk, you guys. Uh, I'll talk to you in two weeks. Please enjoy your Thanksgiving. Cook and eat some delicious food for me. Give thanks. Be with your friends and your family and the people that you love this holiday. And please do not take anything for granted. Be thankful for every single day because every single day is, it's an absolute blessing that we're still here. As always, please leave this episode and every episode before and after now ready to educate often, learn freely, and always, always, always love equally. Gobble me, swallow me, drip down the side of me. Happy Thanksgiving, y'all. I'll talk to you in a few weeks.